So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Who paid for the nachos? No rain, no wind, no snow classico. Putting the high line with Rabbi and Red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads. With questions from you and analysis. In your car, in your home. Thank you for tuning to Holding the High Line. Hello, Rapids fans. You are listening to a Rapids off-season episode of Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. It is Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. One, two, three days away from MLS Cup uh, 2022. I'm joined now by Rabbi Mark Goodman. Uh, Rabbi, how are we enjoying the Rapids off-season and the MLS Cup playoffs so far? Playoffs are great. Um, you'll notice my voice is a little shot. I got a cold. And then, as is my job, I still have to show up and talk and sing and do rabbi-type things. So uh, this is my low, sexy voice, Matt. Um, you know, it, it's nice to watch some playoff games. They've been uh, pretty good. Uh, I think uh, Austin not quite showing up for their match was a bit of a surprise for me. Um, I don't think anybody should be surprised by Philadelphia dominating because they've dominated all season. Um, the games the week before that were fantastic. Uh, and other than that, I mean, Rapids offseason is like almost the same every year, which is fans on Twitter are constantly confused that the team hasn't made any moves like some other teams who like announce like, you know, roster changes right afterwards. The Rapids are going to announce their roster changes the day after MLS Cup like they always do. They wait till the last minute, and that's how it is. They like to have these uh, end-of-season meetings. They they like to kind of let guys clean out their lockers without any media pressure, and that's it. Uh, Matt, any thoughts for you on, on the matches you've seen till till now and, uh, and, and some surprises or, or not surprising uh, performances? Yeah, it's it's been a lot of bangers in terms of games. Like other than I would say the two Montreal games were maybe a little bit less exciting and then I can't remember which one I thought was not super exciting and then had like three goals in like 53 in like from like the 53rd minute on. I can't remember <clears throat> which one that was, but I thought the first round was super exciting. You know, Pablo Mastorani and very RSL game against Austin and you know, fortunately for our Rapids community, you know, we got to see Austin ultimately win that game. So then I think the I think the big relief for that is off mark you know if i were to gauge where i think most rapids fans are obviously they want rsl to not win mls cup i don't think they want any of their former coaches to win as well because i think there's still some frustration around the way that oscar Pereja left so he lost in the first round gary smith lost in the first round nashville looked awful in that game mark against uh la galaxy and then seattle doesn't even make the playoffs so um that was pretty easy (laughs) I'm, i'm curious mark do we consider like i know there's a lot of disdain obviously for the la galaxy it's hard for me to relate to that for reasons that are obvious to longtime listeners as well but you know mark do we think do do you think most of the rapids community looks at lafc and says oh big money team la market they get favorable calls because they're another one of don garber's favored children and they spend a bunch of money and carlos Vela gets all the calls do, do we look at lafc with the same disdain that historically rapids fans would look at the galaxy or sounders i i don't uh i don't i mean i've been to two of those three Stadia. Uh, I, I've been to to Seattle and I've been to LAFC. I have not been to the Galaxy. I've always wanted to. It's on my list. Um, it's just hard to get down to Carson on a Saturday night when I'm visiting LA and my whole family is like, where are you? Why are you going to Carson? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Grandma wants to see you. I'll be like, sorry, Zlatan wants to see me too. Um, no, uh, you know, I think the challenge with LAFC is the 3252 and how um, big time their their stands are and their their fan experiences 
smacks of the we invented soccer feeling of Seattle, but they really don't. I mean, I think they, they understand that, like, not that they're, like, new to the league, but, like, soccer is relative. You support your local club. Um, history in MLS is kind of a joke, right? Like thinking that you have been around a long time and so you deserve certain things or like your club has mystique and aura is like ridiculous. And and then you you know me, Matt, well enough to know and I think the fans uh, and the and the listeners know me well enough to know that like I don't really buy into that anyways, right? I think I've said more than a gazillion times on this podcast. It's 22 grown men who run around chasing a ball for an afternoon so as much as like Giorgio Chiellini and and Gareth Bale are like international superstars, like they're still man children who get paid straight cash to play a child's game, you know. Um, and so I can't take it too seriously. I don't think the LAFC fans take themselves too seriously. Um, I don't. I I think that the only fans who sometimes deserve to be mocked for taking it too seriously are the Seattle fans. Um, and and I think that's that's the, that's where I leave it. Yeah. Um, last thing that I want to say on the playoffs so far, Mark. Obviously, I did the I did the solo pod and then the cello interview the week after the first round. So if I'm looking at the second round matchups, you know, you had NYCFC being really clinical against Montreal. I think that was a disappointing for Montreal. You know, I was they're one of like the dark horse. They're the Atletico Madrid. I think of knockout tournaments as we've seen them do in Canadian Championship games, in certainly in Champions League. And I think realistically, like that team's probably going to get broken up. We know Jordi Mihailovic is gone. I think uh, Kone Iona. I can't. I can never remember or pronounce his name right. I think he's probably gone. I think that team might get broken up in the off season. Um. You know, I was really disappointed in Dallas's performance against Austin. That game broke my bracket. I actually had an FC Dallas Philadelphia Union final, and I've been perfect in all of my results with the exception of Dallas and then now the team that beat Dallas losing to LAFC as well. So that busted my bracket. So I was disappointed in that performance, but at the same time, I thought Austin learned their lesson. They applied the lessons they learned against RSL and were clinical from the start. And then LAFC just came out and took away their single biggest strength and Ragoni's really disappointing mark you know i know the rapids don't do dps but at least we didn't spend four million dollars on a guy that stunk up the bed in a western conference final when ethan finley would have been better um el trafico was chaos and drama all the way up to the final minute i was convinced that that game was going to go to extra time a little bit disappointed that it didn't but dramatic as always lots of goals and to your point, Mark, about saying that you've been to multiple LAFC games while being back in the motherland of uh, Los Angeles, you know, it's difficult for you to get down to Carson. I think it's just it's another highlight in which I think, well... LA Galaxy are the older brother in that rivalry. Clearly, LAFC from a gr- has gotten a growth spurt to where they're the bigger brother in that one. Um, you know, and we'll see. You know, LAFC wins a championship. That's the big thing that I know. All those Clippers fans who were talking so much trash during Lob City when the Lakers were languishing in the post Kobe Bryant years of the Lakers that the Clippers really missed out on. And so I think if LAFC gets that, I think it'll be interesting to see how that shifts. At the same time, I think even though the Galaxy lost and I don't think we're the best team in that game, um, I think they got their summer transfer window really well. And I think they're going to be, I think next year they're set up to be better under Greg Vanny than they have any other preseason since Bruce Arena left, which I think is a really big deal for them. Can we talk about one other thing, which is semi semi adjacent to this thing, which is is it crazy that this might be, I think it's either the second or the third year of a one and out uh, playoff bracket, and it might be the last year we see this since there's a rumor floating that with the new Apple deal, they're going to be going to like a group stage, like half the league makes the playoffs, and then there's like a huge long playoff run. Like, how do you feel about that, Matt? I absolutely hate it, to be honest, Mark. I love the, you know, I think, like, we, we've had this format for, like, three years. Why do we have to change the format every three to four years? I don't understand. I think it's been great for the actual competition. Every single game matters. Every single game is so critical as well because every single game is a winner go home. Like, Mark, you remember you and I being on, you know, we've 
covered and we've watched games where those first legs that you have were just so boring and both teams punting for nil-nil, waiting for the second leg and the second leg absolutely goes off. And we speed that up by making fans only have to watch 90, 120 minutes as opposed to 180, potentially 210 in order for that to occur. I think it creates immediate urgency as well. I can understand like some level of argument that, you know, we've seen that, you know, um, you know, teams get one playoff game and then they're done. So potentially, you know, 34 game season and then somebody gets a red card or you make one really bad mistake and you're out in 90 minutes. Um, I think this playoffs showed still that even though what happened last year to Colorado and to New England, that still the being the first round team and the bye, if you handle it right, is still a very distinct advantage as well. I don't know if LA Galaxy and Cincinnati are on short rest that that game doesn't turn out differently. Um, Last thing that I do want to say about this playoff so far, Mark, uh, FC Cincinnati, I thought has been absolutely fantastic. The turnaround that they've had as a club, almost as good as Austin. Uh, I think Pat Noonan's done a fantastic job. They were the better team against New York Red Bulls. You know, crazy game. I think, you know, 60th minute, it could have gone any way in Chester back on the 20th October in the second round as well. And they're in a way better shape as well. That sleeping giant in the Eastern Conference is now very much awake going into 2023. And I think it's better for the league because of what they've done on the field, off the field, their stadium, as you can speak to as well. But to answer your question about the the rumored playoff change as well, Mark, um, I think it just creates another slog as well. I think it further cheapens an increasingly not valuable regular season as well. You know, like the we're MLS heads, Mark. We're going to ingest in the middle of the summer, you know, five, six games on a weekend when there's no other uh, leagues that are playing around the world and there's no international competitions as well. Why Why should the casual sports fan who's vaguely aware of the Rapids care about anything in the summer other than the 4th of July game if it doesn't matter till you get to the playoffs and the playoffs is its own new format? I think this is akin to... This is of the same ilk as the reformatting of the League's Cup, where it's like the, we want to make more money, we need, we know that we make money when Liga MX teams play MLS teams, let's create a whole competition that intentionally matches MLS teams against Liga MX teams, so that we make money off of Liga MX teams watching our teams. And so you want to make a big deal about, you know, everybody watches the playoffs because, oh, it's a big deal. And it's not this prolonged regular season in a regular season where you play well for two months, then you're in and half the teams make the playoffs anyway. So it's almost like there's almost three seasons now. There's the regular season to get into the group stage. There's getting out of the group stage. And then there's getting into what's after that first group stage. And so, Mark, this is the um, I don't know if you watch the Champions, which is a cartoon series on YouTube. So, you know, the the Super League multiverse one what they had um, where, you know, it was El Clasico was every single week like this strikes of the same thing. Oh, playoffs is where we make the most money and have the most that. So let's just make more of that, even though it further dim- it further waters down the regular season. It further diminishes the value of individual playoff games as well, because we're making money off of that. Like, you know, Mark, if MLS was doing the exact same thing, Portland Timbers and Seattle Sounders would play each other 34 times a year. We'd have El Trafico every single game. I don't. So I'll, I'll object slightly. Um, I don't mind. I I've come around on the idea of like a group stage just because I don't. I, so it, my, my um, platonic ideal of a playoff situation is actually a really long playoffs, but it um, is the Belgian, and I've said this in writing before, it's the Belgian-Israeli system where you play a 24-game season, which splits your entire uh, league into a top of the table and a bottom of the table, and then you have a 12-game kind of like end-of-season um uh, home and away series against all the other teams in your top of the bracket or bottom of the bracket. The top of the bracket teams are playing for the championship. So it's a playoff, but it's kind of like a home and away round robin playoff. So there's no knockout to it. And then the bottom of the table, and this is the part where MLS will never go along with it, is playing for relegation, right? They're playing not to get relegated. The reason you can't do that is because you can't split the table in the middle send the top half into a playoff that has meaning in a round robin and then send the bottom half into a meaningless set of games because in MLS there is no relegation. So, or there, there, there isn't currently, and there's none of the horizon for business purposes. So short of that, the group stage is okay by me. 
The only problem, Matt, because I like the supporter shield. I think the supporter shield has real meaning. The only problem for me is actually that international break that we didn't have this year because Qatar is happening, um, in the, you know, in the winter and not the summer. But like, there's always a huge problem with the MLS playoffs, which is like they play two weeks or something like that, and then there's just this random break. Um, this was before. This was back when they had a home and home series. Um, cause once they went to the, um, the system that they have now that they, um, with one and out, um, it wasn't a problem. You could get the whole thing out of the way quickly. So I don't know, unfortunately, I mean, to summarize it, there is yet, uh, short of a pro rel system, there has yet to be an MLS playoff system that I feel great about all around. Although Matt seems to be okay with the, um, with the, the one and done, which is, it's good. I like the one and done. I think the only downside of the one and done is what you said, which is like, it can be really cruel. This is a great year for the one and done because, um, the, the final, uh, the final matchups in the conference finals were the one versus the two and the one versus the three, right? The strongest teams finally made it to MLS cup. There was no randomness. Everybody earned their way to their natural kind of end. Yeah, um, the one thing that I will, the one credit that I will give to this proposed new, this leaked new format, Mark, is that the it creates more games to the point where for most teams that make the playoffs, their fans will be able to get to see them at home. You know, like if you're an FC Cincinnati fan, you're going into decision day, you haven't clinched the playoffs, you have no idea if you're going to make it, you don't even know, you could have a home game, and then if it's an away game, it could be against three or four different opponents, and then in a matter of a week, you've got to find, you know, a flight to one of the busiest you know cities that you have you know markets that you have and getting to Harrison as well and then you know you have to find a way to organize tickets and that can be really difficult as well you know I remember Red Bulls fans finding out you know on less than a week's notice you know that they had a home that I think they had that away leg at Atlanta where they crapped the bed and that was the Saturday after Thanksgiving so like trying to organize that so the one benefit I will say to this is by having an actual group stage I think all but the lowest seated team which will be away for all of their games will have a home game as well and you'll actually have they'll you'll have more lead time in order to plan an away day if you have to do it and so i think that's maybe one benefit as well where things is you know changing and it's at a busy time of the year where airfare last minute or on a week's notice can be a little bit difficult inflation notwithstanding um and then the last thing that i do want to say mark that i still i don't know how they fit this in with the league's cup taking up what 28 days that you have during the normal regular season period and the fact that all these playoff games are going to be during the fall where you have college football on saturday and nfl football on sundays like from a tv standpoint i don't know how you fit this in i don't know how you fit this in to where you get all nationally televised games maybe mls doesn't care about that because now there's the ubiquity of apple tv that is going to make that easy to where you don't have to cater to when it's most convenient for espn um you know like that one year where playoff games were like on Tuesdays and Thursdays right up until the final and then the final was on a weekend just because that was the easiest time for um, the big broadcasting networks to fit something in because there's no football on Tuesdays. Um, You know, I I don't know how you fit that in super easily. And then also you've got your most important games that your biggest marquee matchups as well that you just watered down by having more of them. And I don't know how you if you don't put those on weekends, then I don't know how you fit that in in terms of fans that are interested in other sports to try and actually grow your audience. And you've put those midweeks, then you further complicate the travel complications that I just mentioned. But what do I know, Mark? Don Garber does not listen to this podcast. And let's be real, him and the owners are going to do what makes the most money, <laughs> even if it is the wrong answer to a very real problem that they refuse to publicly acknowledge exists. But um, your Mark, pessimism is duly noted, Matthew. Your uh, so Mark, let's look ahead. Final uh, two p.m. on Saturday Mountain Time on Big Fox, Bart Simpson Fox, the aforementioned top seeds, LAFC versus Philadelphia Union. Mark, I'll be joining this. I'll be enjoying this game with a stout in hand from uh, Casa Samuelson, which I'm very excited for. Um, Mark, w- what do we see in this final? Two best teams went neck and neck for the Supporters Shield. Very similar styles of play. They can play out of the back. They thrive in transition. They really like to press as well. LAFC has the star power. Philadelphia Union have the collective and everything what do we think well uh, i think i like philly in this one um to win two to one they've just been so difficult to break down um so difficult to even unsettle 
LAFC have so much speed uh, and so much talent and just great finishing, but Philadelphia can get it done from all 11 positions on the field. You know, I think uh, one of the things that's most impressive about Philadelphia is they're really solid in possession, dribbling, and passing on their back four, which is really impressive. I mean, I think uh, something we saw over the playoffs is like, Oliver Mbizo can really do things. Um, Jacob Glessness, um, Jack Elliott. It's just an incredibly robust team. The only thing to worry about is that Alejandro Bedoya suffered an injury in the last game, and I don't know what the status is on that. I would be surprised based on how he was limping around in the last game uh, if he's ready to go. There are replacements for him. Um, that's not like a... a, a uh, an insurmountable problem. Um, the the guy I forget, failed to mention on the back line was the most important is Kai Wagner, who's just absolutely outstanding. You know, just a has the upside as a fullback of a Sam Vines in terms of like bending in crosses and and um, delivery, plus uh, probably better shooting than uh, Sam Vines and scoring. Plus, his defense is uh, absolutely exceptional. I mean, you know, one of the defenders of the year, uh, if, if, and definitely um, in an MLS uh, best 11, for sure. So that gets the nod for me. Um, but you never know, Chicho Arango and, and LAFC and Carlos Vela can put on a clinic and all of a sudden um, just, you know, bang them in. So I, that I'm still going to give it to Philly 2-1. Matt, your thoughts? Uh, so I just finished wrapping up Last Word SC for the week that'll be out uh, tomorrow as well for listeners who are interested in that. And I had 2-1 LAFC in extra time. I agree with you, Mark. This is a super tight game. There's game changers all over. You know, it was just one of the things that we were lamenting, like pick any one of the expected starters for Philly and who would you genuinely be surprised by me telling you at the end of the game was a was the game changer, was the X factor. And really the only one that I could come up with is, is Baizo the outside back for Philly. And so what does it say? Like, like the complaint that I have is that he's the less good football fullback on a team with Kai Wagner. And he's the fourth best defender on a back line that has Jake Elliott, Jacob Glessness and Kai Wagner as well. So, you know, what does that say about that? And really like, other than maybe Ilya Sanchez, like, I'm not sure that I can't come up with, you know, Ryan Hollingshead has been great off the bench and in late games and in the attack front. Palacios has been absolutely fantastic. Kellen Acosta, we know what he can do with the Rapids. We know what he's done with LAFC as well. Any one of those front three that I expect to start for LAFC, it could be a Poku off the bench. It could be, I don't think it will be, but I would not be shocked if it was Gareth Bale off the bench as well. So, um... I'm picking the team that is at home, which we know is can be a really big factor in MLS Cup. I'm picking the team that I believe has the singular best players. And if we just look at what LAFC did playing their best game of the season, I think against Austin, it took Brad Stuver standing on his head for 25 minutes to keep it scoreless. And LAFC was basically just playing with their food after Arango scored that first goal in the 29th. So if I think about LAFC comes out, plays their best game of the season, Philadelphia Union comes out, plays their best game of the season. LAFC wins that. There's no question in my mind about that, where I think you brought up uh, Alejandro Bedoya's injury as kind of the one big concern and wrinkle for Philly. I think it's a valid question, Mark. What does Steve Sherundolo do at the center back position? Because you had Michael Murillo and you had uh, Chiellini in this game. It was fine when Chiellini went 90. Would you trust starting Chiellini or would you want to stuff him out? Would you want to bring on Eddie Segura? And then, it be, or uh, no, Segura's the one who had the injury. Is he good to go? Do you trust Ibiage coming in this game given that he hasn't played during the playoffs? I think that's a valid question. And so you're potentially rolling with your more chaotic center back pairing, but maybe also the one that could get you in a little bit more trouble, the one that has the least mobility. And I think the one that has the least stamina, if this goes in extra time for a kickoff, that's going to be, you know, 2 p.m. LA time as well. I think that's the one thing where if you're looking for a two, three percentage points difference that's going to make life easier for Philadelphia, I could see that's where Kai Wagner has a virtuoso performance against Carlos Vela, shuts him down. Ishmael Elfath, who will be the head official, just does not have it with any of the slight diving whatsoever. And then he calls a tight game, or no, he doesn't. Uh, he swallows his whistle and lets the boys play and everything. That plays into Philly's advantage, and then they do something on a set piece. So I've got an LAFC just narrowly, Mark, but 
you know, I could, you know, I think there's great arguments for both teams. Mostly I'm just really excited to watch this game and not have to freak and not have to be annoyed at the fact that it being a Cascadia team that's in it that is going to be insufferable on Twitter afterwards and is going to remind you 366 days out of the year that they won MLS Cup and your team did it. So I'm not so worried about that. I, I will <laughs> say I think it's great um, to have a matchup between two teams for which the winner will win its first MLS Cup. I think that's always great. Um, it, it It's a lot more fun than watching LA Galaxy go against uh, Seattle Sounders. Not that that could happen for a final, but you know what I mean. Like two teams, DC United or, or New England uh, versus the Galaxy or Seattle. Like teams who are like, oh, we've been here before. Like fart sniffing annoying like (laughs) holier than thou folks like lafs like there's a certain degree to which neither fan base will have a chip on their shoulder and i like that and i'm excited about it mark one thing that's kind of been bad from a usmnt standpoint has been the playoffs have eliminated a lot of guys that we think are going to be a really big deal in the playoffs and almost right on time injury updates that we had over the course of the last two weeks as well with weston mckenney potentially carrying a knock as well a bunch of other injuries around the guys playing in europe you look at aaron long who's plausibly going to be a starter in that game against wales did not look good in the last international window in the time that he got and got undressed for or uh, New York Red Bulls in their one-and-done playoffs as well, and just kind of increasingly marked just like the that USMNT-like placeholder camp that they're hosting right now is almost just like the loser's corner of like the, okay, everybody shows up who missed the playoffs, and then a week later, all the guys who lost in the first round. And I'm not sure, Mark, I, I have to go back and look at the roster to make sure I'm not missing anybody. Other than Kellen Acosta, I'm not sure there's a guy that's going to be on the roster that's going to be in this final, and I'm not sure other than... I don't think there there wouldn't have been anybody on Cincinnati because I don't think Vasquez is in it. Nobody on Montreal. Nobody rings a bell for me for NYCFC. Dallas, you would have had Ferreira. I don't think anybody on Austin. I don't think anybody on LA Galaxy. So you're looking at conference semifinals. You had two guys for the USMNT that made it that far, meaning that everybody else was done more than a month before the actual World Cup started. Mark, our thoughts on this and then what this means. We're we're not going to predict the whole roster as well because I think that's a waste of our time. I think we both agree Kellen's going to make it. Um, But, you know, your thoughts on that implication given um, the significance? Well, um, uh, Luca Delator, the word from Sam Stachel was that the club says he's out till around November 20th, which uh, means he's probably, if you're going to bring him to Qatar, you're going to bring an injured player and hope he makes it for after. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like you, yeah. you're, you're not going to bring him. So that opens a slot at striker. Um, if he was, you know, potentially midfield, was midfield that Mark? Yeah. I, Torre, midfielder. Yeah. I, I think it opens a slot at striker though. Um, because I don't feel like there's another strong midfielder, um, that I would want to take, whereas there are strikers that I want to take over him. I think what I'm saying is maybe Matt's making Matt's doing some math because he's got a deeper brain for these kinds of things. <laughs> I think that opens a spot for Brandon Vasquez for me. And I, I know that there's a lot of talk that like, you know, Vasquez is like um, not really on the radar. I, at least I've heard that. But I think Brandon Vasquez could be your Julian Green, who the hell is that and why is he on the roster kind of pick. Um, The flip side of that is like, you know, you go with like a Joe Scally or something like that. Scally's a defender, I know, but still, um, I don't know if you've got a good idea for who to to put in for Delator. It's an interesting Uh. idea. Um, Like the guys who used to be there, a guy like like, uh, Gianluca Busio, who I, I think played himself out completely over the last year. Um, but I don't know. Um, Sergeant is probably going to be fine, but I don't think he was going to make this roster anyways to my, in my humble opinion. So, and apparently uh, Jordan Pifok is not really performing very well right now. Um, hasn't scored in like 12 games or something like that. So there's a lot of weirdness with this roster and it makes me really uncomfortable. Um, and on the flip side, there are certain players who I think, you know, might be just kind of like not doing well right now, but might ultimately just show up in Qatar 
and just peak, you know, Johnny Gangbusters all of a sudden, you know, like, um, uh, not McKenney, uh, because he's coming off of some, a little bit of injury. Um, but, uh, Aronson. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brandon Aronson. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's guys here who, who are going to be okay. So I'm not super worried. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question mark with the relatively the expanded roster. I believe the 2018 World Cup, we were still playing with 23 players and three subs because that was pre-COVID. So no, I, th- I think it's a good question of we know, okay, if McKenney's going to be good to go and he's going to be in camp beforehand before they have to make a decision on that. So they who I wanted to say was Musa and Adams. Those are the guys who yeah. are most likely to kind of show up and be and be great. Sorry, go ahead. And so, you know, Mark, if you're going to have what I think it's eight, nine days that they have between the three group stage games, if there's anybody that's not a center back or a goalkeeper that you want playing those 90 minutes, the one I would have would be would be Tyler Adams. So I think it's a valid question of if you don't like that particular guy, do you bring somebody at another position either to make up the numbers or that gives you another versatile tool in the proverbial, um, you know, in the in the proverbial bag um, at another position? And so I think doing that at striker would be really interesting. I'm still I'm still petitioning Mark for Tim Ream to get called up. At worst case yeah. scenario, he's going to be a good veteran hang in the locker room. Even he's going to be happy to be there and he's going to accept the call even if it's hey, I'm bringing you to be the fifth guy, just be a calm cool veteran head and make sure that like Walker Zimmerman doesn't have a panic attack when we play Wales. I think he would accept that even if it's on the condition that like you're not playing unless there's a suspension and an injured guy and we go to a back 3 and I play you out of position at left back because something happens to Anthony Robinson. You want to know the craziest thing, Matt? Matt Turner and Zach Steffen are both uh, injured right now. They're not seriously injured, but they're both injured enough that, like, it's entirely possible that neither of them is ready to go, which leads me to the question, like... Sean Johnson Right, right. It's like Sean Johnson and Ethan Horvath in goal. It's like, I think Horvath is fantastic, and I love Sean John, but it's like, I think we all thought that it was going to be... We wanted Matt Turner... We thought it was going to be Zach Steffen. It could be neither of them. How weird is that, right? We're going into a World Cup. I mean, back in the day, it was like everybody knew Tim Howard was going to be in goal. And everybody knew that uh, Brad Guzan was going to back him up. And we knew that it was going to be Nick Romando as the training goalkeeper who was just going to be, I'm a good hang. I'll stay around for an extra hour to have you guys practice penalties and free kicks. And now we're looking at a roster that, like, just based on the injuries, I'm looking at an article here that has one, two... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight starters listed as having different caniggling little injuries, right? You're looking at you're looking at a roster where, you know, it's a team of physios going into the room with GGG trying and Burhalter's trying to figure out like, all right, I've got forty-seven guys to pick from and twenty of them have ankle injuries. Like, what am I gonna do here? It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it, Mark. Uh, Greg Berhalter, I feel comfortable in saying, makes more money than you or I, so he's the one who has to. And everyone's going to hate decisions. whatever he picks, anyways. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> how how dare right as the as the intelligence police shows as up? The hell, no, as as you hear as you hear um, ambulance sirens outside, just to no, punctu- who got hurt? To punctuate the hospital, <laughs> right? Just to punctuate our comments with some like sound effects. Yes. Like like we were a morning zoo radio station. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But no, no, good point there. Um I lost my train of thought. What was I saying, Mark? Um uh, Greg Berhalter making difficult decisions. Yeah, you know, it's the how dare Greg Berhalter bring indistinguishable striker as opposed to the other indistinguishable <clears throat> striker into the World Cup. Nice. I'm going to be livid when he makes that decision. Jossie um, Sardes, all the money, baby. Okay. Okay, Mark, and let's, let's agree. Two old men in rocking chairs just knocking them in with their heads. Stop it. Get some help. Um, okay, Mark, are we... Okay, I guess... Uh, so, Mark, I think we both agree. <laughs> Kellen's a lock, assuming something horrible doesn't happen to him on Saturday in MLS Cup. Yeah. I think we both feel pretty confident Jossie's artist and no other current or former Raps player is in on it, with the exception of, Mark, uh, yes or no, Sam Vine's World Cup roster. I think no, there's just been no buzz around him and he didn't do very well in his last performance. And it breaks my heart because I think Sam's wonderful. And the idea that a guy goes out there on the field for 60 something minutes and doesn't impress, it's like, dude, look at the body of work. But, you know, um, I, I guess it, it's just they're they're deep enough at, at fullback that they don't need him. And that's a bummer, but but he's good. 
Who do you bring over him at left back? I don't know. I think um, the idea was that you've got Dest, you've got... Um, Dest and Jedi are two lock starters. You've got but then... Dest and Jedi, and then, you've got, and then you put in two right backs, and one of them can flip to the other side, and I forget who it was. Was it Reggie Cannon, and, or is Cannon still hurt? Um, Cannon and Scally, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, maybe. And then, the, or or you bring the veteran, um, and you go with uh, you go with DeAndre Yedlin. Yeah, with Yedlin. I I, I think it's probably going to be Dest, Yedlin, Jedi, uh, and one of the other two guys that we mentioned, but not Fines. Okay, but I think um, I, and, and I'm I'm right that Dest has played a little bit on the left. Yeah, Dest has played at both. Right, um, and so I think he's your backup left left back. I think, yeah, I think the, like, if, if Jedi gets hurt in any game, I'll knock on wood for both Fulham, because uh, he, he jokingly said that he's playing on one ankle, even though he was fantastic in that Everton game over the weekend, Rabbi. I think if, yeah, I think if something happens to, um, if something happens to, to Robinson, then I think your default move would be Dest moves to the left, and you bring on DeAndre Yedlin to the right. I, I agree with you, Mark. I think Yedlin makes it because you need some World Cup experience on that. Tim Ream doesn't even have that, and obviously John Brooks probably, Burhalter's probably texted him, like, lose this. He's probably gotten a new phone so that so that john brooks does not have his phone number and texted all the players don't give john brooks my new line um so um i think i think vines gets in it because he's been starting and playing 90 minutes pretty much you know with europa league and everything he's getting 180 minutes a game so even though i think you could make arguments that scally's better in certain situations vines will be more fit and more sharp for it and again mostly to just be there if something horrible happens to anthony robinson so i think vines does get it in um last topic that we have Mark and maybe the one actual Rapids related things here, folks. Save, um, it, save the good stuff till the end, folks. Yeah, so we've got uh, Mark. We haven't uh, officially done our picks for the expansion draft for St. Louis City FC. Um, we already have the roster rules out there for what's going on with that. The Rapids had 30 players contracted this season, including uh, bringing back Sam Nicholson and then Felipe Gutierrez. Um, they have eight homegrowns and then one Generation Adidas player. Philip Mayaka is still 21, folks. He has not graduated out of Generation Adidas. So those players are automatically protected. So that 30 drops down to 21. Uh, retired players do not have to be protected. St. Louis City is welcome to pick up Drew Moore or call Drew Moore and try and have him. Um, I don't think he's playing for St. Louis City next year. So that 21 drops down to 20. And Mark the Rapids can protect up to 12 players. There's certain rules about DPs and no trade clauses and number of international players and everything. We, go, we will not go through all of that. Listeners, you can all read. You can all Google. Um, but Mark, uh, so who are your eight unprotected players? So there's one player that Matt and I kind of left, uh, or there's a, we didn't talk about who we picked on off the pod, but there's one player we're not entirely sure about. Um, so I have, I think, one fewer protected player than Matt, um, and that's because I think that this player doesn't need to be protected, but Matt will give his list, or I will give my list, and Matt will say, but you forgot so-and-so. And then that's our opportunity, listeners, to explain where two guys who eat, sleep, and breathe Major League Soccer and one guy who studies Talmud for a living and one guy who's a freaking engineer can't figure out the Major League Soccer draft rules because it's that complicated. My unprotecteds are Michael Barrios, Stephen Betashore, Clint Irwin, Drew Moore, uh, Jossie Zardes, Gustavo Viasia, Sam Nicholson, Colin Warner, uh, and that's it. That's my list. Um, there's one player on there who I'm not sure whether he needs to be protected or not, and that's Brian, uh, Brian Galvan. Um, I'm unsure whether a player with a season-ending injury falls under those rules. Now, there's no, there's nothing that I read that said he has to be um, that he's he needs to be protected, um, but. My also understanding is that a season-ending injury player isn't actually really rostered, and therefore I think maybe he's exempt from being picked in the draft. Matt, you tell me who your unprotecteds are and see if there's a guy that I missed out on. Give me your list again, Mark. I was writing something down, so I want to see I want to see where we're different rather than naming the same players. Barrios, Betashore, Irwin, Moore, Zardes, Viasia, Nicholson, Warner. So I have 
Um, so it looks like, Mark, we have potentially three differences here. Whoa. So to your point, um, so you have more unprotected. So I guess maybe you listed nine in there and I only have eight because I'm not counting. I have eight. More I counted eight. The, you have eight? Yeah, I counted eight. Okay. I, I, I don't nine. think I, I would leave Drew more unprotected. Right. So we, we, well, I'm we not agree saying, on that. I listed him as unprotected also, but I don't know that he counts because I don't retired. think he counts. I don't think he counts out of that. Right. So then. I think the so the interesting question that I have, Mark, is would if the Rapids left um, Estevez unprotected right. and St. Louis City selected him, are they automatically picking up the one million dollar option for the fifty percent loan fee? Because so now you're, you know you think like Porik, and I think like uh, yeah, I think like a moron, which is to say you think. Let's let's gamble, baby. Let's 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 play Russian roulette with three three bullets in the chamber. Like let's let's <laughs> make, let's make you make a really difficult decision, right? You want Lucas Estevez? Fine. You pay all the money. Now the problem does that solve a problem for the Rapids? I don't think so. It means that they lose a player. Um, and I think that potentially that what we know about, um, especially like with with uh, Charlotte this year. Um, and then in past years, like LAFC, um, expansion teams that will spend stupid amounts of money and, uh, NYCFC will spend stupid amounts of money in their first year. Um, like, like it, like it ain't no thing. Anyways, yeah. keep going. So, so to go through my full list, Mark, then I have, I have Warner, Nicholson, Irwin, Felipe Gutierrez, Betisher, Brian Acosta, Anthony Markanich, and then where I had the question mark there is what I then leave. unprotected, interesting. Yeah, so uh, my last one I have, Estevez slash Barrios. So to your point of you have the similar question about Galvan, I have the similar question about Estevez on that. So let's let's go through the ones that are super easy, Mark. Betasher, Gutierrez, and Warner are all old. I don't think there's any interest in those players. Right. Irwin's a backup goalkeeper. They're probably not coming back for the Rapids anyways. Yeah, Irwin's a backup goalkeeper. There will be better backup goalkeepers and younger backup goalkeepers that are available uh in one way i think potentially that's making a problem a little bit easier because erwin we get a chance to potentially go play for an expansion team as well um he'd be somewhat closer to um to charlotte where he grew up and everything and that potentially open the door to where you have abroad training with the first team backing up um uh William Yarbrough but then also still starting every single week for Rapids too so that would solve one problem in terms of the Rapids depth chart I mean Erwin is 33 years old and his contract is up and he's making $200,000 a year I wonder whether he's coming back either way that's a valid question um and then so I think I don't know even though I think the club internally is high on Markanich, I don't know that just looking at the film St. Louis City from a 30,000-foot view, that one decent performance and two really bad performances and a guy who couldn't get on the field in his first season, that that's looking, that St. Louis City looks at that and says that that's worthwhile. So I cross off. So that's Markanich. And then so similarly, we've got questions about Estevez Galvan. I think the one thing with Barrios is you look at his decrease in production and his age, and you think it's just not worth it from a contract standpoint. Where I I have Acosta unprotected, Marcus. I don't know with what St. Louis City has said about, like, we're just... They've openly come out and basically said, like, yeah, we're not going to spend big money on DPs and everything. I don't know that you want to spend 700, you know, 700K annually on a salary, take up an international roster spot for a guy where you know you could get an American that would be cheaper and have a still really quality D-Med. So that's similarly like me thinking like Pork and playing Russian roulette of the same reason like um, whatever year there was the expansion draft where Tommy Smith and Danny Wilson had horrible seasons. I think it was their first year. And both of them were on TAM contracts. And it's just you leave them unprotected because you know nobody's going to – even if you like the player or you think you could fit in, you're not spending TAM on guys that had golden cone seasons as center backs. I don't know that you spend that kind of money on a guy who was a relatively pedestrian number eight in the league as well. Just And all of this further highlights, folks, the fact that there are – 23 teams that I think are eligible to lose a player. St. Louis City gets five of them. You, Any team that loses a player can only lose one of those. And there's a bunch of other teams that have way better depth charts and everything with younger players or players on younger contracts. Or if we're thinking about this with how St. Louis City might approach it, Mark, it's the where can we get a guy to flip for a draft pick or an international roster spot or something else. And I don't know that somebody's paying 400 k for Brian Acosta on the open market. So then St. Louis City isn't picking him because he doesn't have – 
market value. Right. Brian Acosta's contract is also a monster. It's seven hundred exactly seven hundred six thousand dollars, and he had. I'm in the middle of reviews, and I I'm not giving him a good one. Um, the the Danny Wilson was my last uh, check mark that I had to add. Bef- like he was the like on the bubble guy. Um, for me, although at the end of the day, I was like, you know, someone might want him. He's really he's really a centerpiece. The one guy that I left off, the other guy that I left off that we disagreed on was um, Anthony Markanic. And the reason I left Anthony Markanic off was that last I had him tracked, he was on the reserve roster and not the supplemental roster. In order to, and according to the MLS rules, he needs to be on the senior or supplemental roster and not the reserve roster. Now, that being said, he may have had to have been moved from the reserve roster to the supplemental roster because he is neither a, gener- a generation Adidas player nor is he a um, homegrown player. They may have needed to added him to the, to those um, things in order to do it. But I think the reason that I had Markanic on the reserve roster is at least for one reason he was there at some point in the season, and two he was on the minimum uh, um, salary. And minimum salary players um, can be on the reserve roster. So all that is, you know, legalese for I don't have a damn clue whether he's on, he's eligible <laughs> or not, right? Like, I, I actually think, I think you're probably right, Matt. I think he's eligible. And all of this is kind of semi-academic in the sense that, like, he may be eligible and no one really knows who he is, or he may be ineligible and therefore we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So on that note, Mark, let's make all of our, you know, listeners like I've, I've joked on this every single time I've gone on DNVR off pod is that like we're the ones who want to go in the nitty gritty where who you come to when you want homework about the rapids. So we've just tried to explain all of this, Mark. I still not sure that we fully understand it. And I'd be willing we're to close. bet there's at least one person in the front office at some MLS team that does not understand <laughs> it. No, um, I mean, Charlotte last year proved that they don't really understand anything about nope. how I mean, they made so. <laughs> many bad decisions during the expansion draft like taking Ismail Tajiri Shradi and flipping him onto another team everybody was like what are you doing he's a great player you want him no amount of money is going to substitute for him so so Mark let's make the last 15 minutes of this conversation moot do we think that the Rapids lose a player in the expansion draft um I don't think so I mean so few players got picked at all last year of any significance and some of them just got uh, flipped along. Um, you know, there's a possibility. My favorite move of all time of the Colorado Rapids was the year the Minnesota um, United expanded and the Rapids made some sort of weird handshake deal with Minnesota where Minnesota gave the Rapids 50000 in GAM so that they wouldn't take um, Jared Watts and which was like one of my favorite weird like Technically, it's legal, but it doesn't seem like it should be legal kind of moves of all time. It was like it was like trading Jared Watts for a bag of balls, effectively. It was so strange, and I super loved it. Mark, getting Kai Kamara from FC Cincinnati in the expansion draft via Vancouver for an international roster right. spot for a team that was absolutely horrible in their expansion season and could potentially still have Kai Kamara scoring double digit goals for them in the season. That trade was better, but still the greatest Rapids trades of all time was getting that permanent international roster spot from Real Salt Lake, which will continue to add up to millions of dollars Senna in Niasi, allocation baby. money. Let's go. Okay. Um, anything else that we want to say, Rabbi, or no, this probably, folks, unless, like, something breaking happens from a World Cup rapid stamp. Okay, Mark, we'll pot if Giassi Zardis makes the roster for the World Cup. Um, but barring that, this is plausibly the last time that you heal from us maybe one more time before Thanksgiving. I'll say no more than two episodes at the absolute most in the month of November. Mark, anything else we want to say or shall we get out of here? Oh, Mark, uh, whoa, whoa, wait, we already did our predictions. You have Philly 2-1 and I have LAFC 2-1 on Saturday, but Rabbi, any last words or shall we get out of here? I just have one set of last words before I, I do the sign-off, which is congratulations to oh. Matt Pollard on being named the managing editor of Burgundy Wave. This is a big move and it's really exciting because um, Burgundy Wave is kind of the the old grand dame of um, MLS coverage in Colorado. And there have been a, a, a number of 
really, really great editors who I have worked for in the past. Um, and uh, it is great to have a top quality writer and editor back in charge of B-Wave. Congratulations, Mazel Tov. Kudos to you, Matt. Well-deserved from an excellent writer, thinker, uh, organizer, professional, uh, you know, and let me know if the $1.8 million signing bonus, if it doesn't mean you can take me out for a T-bone steak at some point down the road. I'm excited about that. All that Vox SB Nation money. We get in Vox SB Nation money, baby. It's very exciting. Um, listeners, uh, our sponsors are Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves, the makers of fine bespoke threads for you to support for soccer. There's some good stuff coming in the uh, international frame. Maybe you're a USMNT fan. Maybe you're an England fan. Maybe you're a fan of something else otherwise. Um, there are both kits and scarves for your international team to support in the upcoming World Cup. Go and check out those two websites. Or if you don't like anything that's being offered, make your own. Maybe you're having a, a World Cup watch party and you just got a big Christmas bonus from your company. Maybe you want to make... Uh, scarves as as presents for everyone at your watch party. You know, Dave and Sarah's World Cup watch party 2022, right? Spread the love, right? Spend the money. Go put it out there. Acres FC, Roughneck Scarves. Matt, tell them how to hit us on the socials, how to read our written work, and how to support our fine podcast. Listeners, you can follow us collectively all on Twitter at LWS Matt Pollard, at Soccer underscore Rabbi, and at Rapids96Podcast. Check out our written work at the Substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. You can view us in web format. You can subscribe to our newsletter. You can pay to become a paid Highliner to support the work that we are doing. Five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year. Uh, Mark, when is that renewing for the existing Highliners? Oh, uh, I think it renewed in the last couple weeks. So uh, if you you've already hopefully uh if you haven't already go and check if you're if you're hoping to double the amount of money you give us uh make sure you do that this week yes and if there's any issues you can email us at rapid 96 podcast at gmail.com and we'll take care of that any tech issues any issues or if you decide you don't want to we'll play the venmo game and give you the 42 bucks back if you decide that you we were absolute garbage in 2022 (laughs) and just like the rapids we're not going to be any better in 2023 um and yeah a rate review share subscribe wherever you get your podcasts um if we're not in a place that you want us to be at email us or um hit us up on twitter and we'll do our best to get on there um and other than that rapids fans like in, enjoy the off season it's going to be relatively short with the world cup obviously you know it's going to be what i think it goes up and i think it's the saturday before christmas maybe the weekend before christmas mark that is the world cup final you know and then you're looking at it's the holidays and then january and then at that point the window will open and i'm sure absolutely on January 1st, we'll see a big announcement that the Rapids have acquired the Teeth Blessing from LAFC for a million dollars in allocation money. With that, Rapids fans, um, we'll see you the next time we see you. Peace.